sure it's the Eisen for like that. And a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam Maguire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined by Star Sport editor Kieran McCarthy and Star Sport podcast producer Dylan Mangan. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with Access Credit Union and the Donald O'Driscoll Student Bursary. The Donald O'Driscoll Student Bursary has been established to honour the career and achievements of Access Credit Union's late CEO, Donald O'Driscoll. Throughout his long term as CEO, Donald championed the credit union's ethos of supporting and empowering members particularly in the sphere of education. In recognition of this, the Donald O'Driscoll Student Bursary will provide financial support to one individual embarking on third level education or commencing an apprenticeship in 2022. The recipient of the bursary will be awarded €5,000 to help with costs. To apply for the bursary, visit www.accesscu.ie forward slash bursary the carberry footballers continued their brilliant run in this year's premier senior football championship on sunday evening at porky rin beating duhallow to claim the divisions and colleges crown the victory also secured a county quarter-final slot for tim buckley's men and on this week's podcast we're going to chat to kilmackaby and carberry defender rory howrahan about their one point win Later on the show, we'll hear from pro golfer John Murphy, who caught up with producer Dylan. The Kinsale man has enjoyed some success in recent weeks on the Challenge Tour with top three finishes at both the Irish and Finnish Challenge, and we'll ask him about life on tour. But Kieran, let's get it out of the way. There was finally something for Manchester United fans to celebrate on Monday evening when Eric Ten Hag's minnows overcame an extremely depleted and injury-hit Liverpool. Boo-hoo, the, the, the world's smallest violin is now chiming for Liverpool fans. But as you can see, I'm, I'm decked out in my, 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 my finest gear today. You know, this is, the, this is, um, this is what, what we've been waiting for, Man United fans. So I'm going to roll out the cliches. We're back, baby. The table doesn't lie. Um, Things are on the up. Eric Ten Hag's army were on the march, but no, in all reality, badly need a win for Man United. Um, always nice to beat Liverpool, especially nice to beat Liverpool, especially since in the Southern Star it's nearly all Liverpool fans. So you you, you can't look left or right inside in Star headquarters, and you're looking at a at a at a smiling Liverpool fan the last couple of years. So to to get one over me is um is quite a sweet moment. I'm not going to. I'm not going to revel in it too much because reality could bite me the arse quite soon again. But what's rare is wonderful. And like I said, it's it's nice to be looking down at Liverpool right now. Well, Dylan, just to briefly introduce you again, you have been the producer on the Star Sport podcast for the last, last number of weeks. But this is your debut on air. And we've not chosen a great week for you because, like me, you too are a Liverpool fan. So... What were your own thoughts on Monday's game? Are you downtrodden? Is it time to rethink everything? Have we made a massive mistake in selling Sadio Mane? Where do you stand at the moment on in terms of your Liverpool fandom? Yeah, I was a little bit um, trepidatious, let's say, about coming on today, considering what happened at the weekend or on Monday night. But I suppose as a Liverpool fan... It's disappointing, but what's rare is wonderful for United fans. And um, I can't imagine the same thing will happen next time around in Anfield. Um, the midfield for Liverpool was just completely shot. There's nobody left with the injuries, and I think that's a big part of it. Um, having said that, they were really bad. Like To be fair, you can't argue with that. So it's kind of mixed feelings, I, I'd say. like I'm not too worried because it's the start of the season. 
things aren't going uh, so well at the moment, but hopefully things will only go up from here. But that point then, Kieran, about Liverpool being really bad, that must like kind of pop the Manchester United balloon slightly because United fans are oh. celebrating. It's the, the, the greatest win in recent Manchester United history, but it was against one of the worst Liverpool teams that Klopp has fielded in the last few seasons. So, you know, take it with a pinch of salt. It was kind of a, a one-off freak result, I'd argue. If that's a one-off freak result, I'll take it every time. No, I think from a United point of view, what was great to see for the first time in a long time, the players actually tried. They, they ran, you know, and it just seems like just a, a basic requirement of, of a professional footballer just to run around the pitch and give a 100% effort. And that's what they did the last day. But what I like most about it is it just seemed like Tin Hag is starting to put his stamp on this team, dropping Ronaldo and dropping Maguire with two big calls that could have backfired on them if Liverpool had won because there would have been a... It would have been very easy to point at those decisions as a reason why United, if they had lost that game, why they would have lost it. But the fact that um, Martinez came in, Malassi had left back, that they were so strong. Eriksen was starting as well. So the three players so far that Tin Hag has brought in, they all started. You presume Casemiro, they've spent big bucks on him. He'll start as well. So all of a sudden, that's four of Tin Hag's signings are starting in that first 11. And maybe there's more to come before the transfer window shows. So... The team is starting to have a look about Tin Hag's team. So I think that's really important too. But it was just the energy, the industry, the work rate, the passion. It was there for the first time in a long time. And I don't think Liverpool could, uh, could cope with it, especially in that opening 20 minutes, which is very strange for Liverpool because over the last couple of years, Liverpool have outworked United and outran them in, in every department, every time we've played. But for some reason, and Dylan said it there, like the, the Liverpool midfield. Just didn't have the legs the last night with Henderson and Mil and, and uh, Milner in there, but for the first time in a long time to see United outworking, outrunning Liverpool was um, great for a Man United fan. But like I said to Dylan in the office the last day, the odds are Liverpool will still finish above United in the table. But it's it's a good stepping stone in the the right direction, and that's the reason I'm wearing my Man United jersey today because what's rare could be quite wonderful. Um. Dylan, let's go nuclear on the Liverpool side of things for a moment, because obviously, as you mentioned, that shot midfield, the combined age of Milner and Henderson is almost 70. And it was just Harvey Elliott bringing down that slightly. They could have been closer to 100 if Fabinho had started. And Firmino also probably looks like his best days are behind him. I saw a funny tweet from Adam Hurry on Twitter saying that Firmino looked like a man who was ready to sign for Fernabache or Besiktas or one of the other Turkish Super League teams. And then you had Mo Salah, who I considered for the last number of years to be probably the best player in the world, looking anything but like the best player in the world. And that's not even to get in to Trent Alexander-Arnold possibly having his worst game in a Liverpool shirt and Virgil van Dijk looking past it as well. I know it's one game and it's a small sample size but i watched this game with a great sense of dread thinking that this brilliant run that liverpool have been on under jürgen klopp may be winding down was there any such dread going through you watching this game did you think this could be the end or again am i just overthinking things um well it could be like yeah Obviously, it could be like the last season that Jurgen Klopp had at Dortmund had kind of similar uh, vibes, let's say. Uh, they were playing relatively well, but just losing games. I guess the worrying thing for Liverpool would be the first two games of the season, they didn't actually play that badly. Against Fulham, they scored, Fulham scored two great goals, but Liverpool managed to get back into it and they actually played pretty well. Against Crystal Palace, the Wilfred Zaha goal was an incredible goal. And then the rest of the game, they were pretty good and um, even with 10 men they looked more likely um, than Crystal Palace to score the United game is the complete opposite like they were just very poor I think maybe the end of last season might be kind of catching up with them a little bit it was such an incredible season and it was looking like it could have been one of the best seasons ever and then to lose the league and the Champions League final at the very end would have been um really demoralising, I guess, for, for the players. On top of that, Sadio Mane has been their top performer probably in, in the last six or seven years. Like He was Klopp's first big signing, the first one who came in and really, really um, kind of levelled them up and brought them into the Champions League. So um, it could be the beginning of the end. I don't think it, it will be. Um, I 
see Klopp is still there for another three years, I think. I can't see it going completely sour, but we might have to maybe lower our expectations a little bit. I don't think a 90-point season is is happening again this year. But going forward, like Milner and Henderson do need to be put to the side a little bit. But Harvey Elliott looks like an incredible player. Carvalho came on, on against United and was probably the brightest spark for the last 20 minutes, which is positive. And he looks like somebody who played in the forward line or um, in midfield as well. So there are positives there. Um, I would agree that Firmino definitely needs to go play in Turkey at some point because <laughs> he is the perfect signing for a Turkish team. Yeah, absolutely. To the Liverpool woes there, Jack. I actually agree with Dylan said there. Sadio Mane is a <sighs> huge loss to Liverpool. Maybe he was underrated over the last couple of years, but he's a work rate. Like he was that pit bull up the front. He was a warrior. Uh, he used to chase down, run the channels. He did so much unseen work. And I don't know how many goals he got over the last couple of years for Liverpool. And I think he's a huge loss. Yeah, I think like, one uh, of the big um, the big losses with Sadio Mane is that he was such a great outlet. You could throw the ball up to him, head height on the ground, spinning, not spinning, whatever way you wanted, and you knew that he would control it. So he was always a really good get out card for Liverpool. If they were on the back foot, he could bring them up the up the uh, pitch. And while Diaz is looking really really good in that sense, like he's a great running with the ball. He maybe doesn't have the exact same um, attributes that Mane had. So it probably is a little bit of an adjustment. I think Diaz might just end up being a bit more of a creator. And then they're hoping that Nunes will go nuclear and score loads of goals. But he needs to be on the pitch for that to happen. Yeah, fingers crossed Nunes can become the new Luis Suarez and not the new Andy Carroll. But we'll leave the football chat there for now, or the soccer chat, considering we're going to talk football now Kieran and we're going to talk about Carberry's sensational run to the quarter final of the Premier Senior Football Championship and they had a, a brilliant win against Duhalo on Sunday at Parky Rin. This is a Carberry side that had been quite downtrodden in recent seasons. There was a lot of doom and gloom surrounding this setup but all of a sudden they're on the way to potentially a county semi-final if they can get over the next step and that's not something that would have been predicted at the start of the season 100% if we're thinking back to last Christmas um, Carberry manager Tim Buckley was saying that the, the Carberry football team was at a crossroads in the previous four seasons um, 2018 to 2021 they hadn't won a game they lost the first hurdle every time and it would have been very easy for Tim Buckley to to walk away from it because it is a tough gig managing a divisional team whether it's a, a hurling or football team because you're you're down the pecking order. Clubs come first and individual teams are just down that order there. But um, Tim stuck at it and they're getting the rewards this year. They're after five wins in a row. Um, the, the first one was back in June and that was the most important one. They beat Immokili. I think it was something like 218 to 110, something along that lines. But that was our first win in a, a long time. And that was their initial target. Let's win one game and see what happens. Then they went to beat Beira. Then they went and beat Avendu. Then last Wednesday night, they beat UCC McCroom, which was a big win too, because UCC wore Carberry's bogey team. And that sent them into the Divisional Colleges final at Parky Ring last Sunday night. And they won that, and they won the Tiger Crowley Cup. So that's five wins in a row, and the reward now is a place in the quarterfinals of the Premier Senior Football Championship. It's just a great story for Carberry football, because... Um, and we'll hear from Rory Horan quite soon. Okay, yeah, there is a huge tradition of football in Calgary, and some great footballers come from from this neck of the woods and from this region. But uh, that doesn't mean that Calgary has any God given right to succeed on the football field. You still have to go out there and put in the effort, and and you need to get the players out there. And over the last couple of years, it just was not happening for whatever reason. But it's clicked this year, and what's happening too? You're seeing this this group of players growing together, developing together. Um, there's nine or ten clubs um, involved, so those players are getting to know each other. And if we think back, we were reading in the podcast a couple of weeks, a couple of months back, and he was saying in one of his first training sessions, he went in there, he didn't know some of the fellas that he was that he was playing with, but now this group, they have a unity, they have a bond there. I heard they did a, did a great sing song in Black Rock on, on Sunday night after, there was a bit of crack in the bus, they, they enjoyed it, they enjoyed Monday. Um, and that's great for the camaraderie of this team because it just shows that this team is evolving and developing and whatever happens in the quarterfinal, whether they can go one step further, get into the last four or whether the Carby journey ends there. I think what this year has done, it's put in a really solid platform for Carby football to build on now because maybe there's footballers in the division who for whatever reason, and they'll know best themselves, have decided not to put their hand up for Carberry. Maybe they'll be looking at this now saying, 
Jesus, maybe I should be involved in that because when you're playing at senior football level and you've had five games like Carberry have, who knows who'll be looking at you? I know the Cork management team was in McCroom last um John Cleary and they were McCroom last Wednesday night. I, I, I presume some of the Cork management team were in Parky Ring on Sunday night. So they'll be keeping their eye out for for Carberry fellas who um who they might begin to have a look at in the in the months ahead. So I just think it's a it's a great news story. It's great for Carberry to be up and running again, and it's great for the for the division and for the footballers who play in junior A, junior B, and intermediate to have that chance to play at senior. So all good. Yeah, well, just on that point, when you look at the team sheet from the Carberry games over the course of this season, there are any number of lads who probably deserve to be in with a shot of making the Cork panel for the coming season. So brilliant that they've had this run to put themselves in the proverbial shop window. And one of the players who has been a key part of their success this season is Kilmacabee's Rory Howrahan, and he's been catching up with Kieran. For listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. The Carberry footballers are on a real roll right now. Five wins in a row, and their latest was on Sunday night as a 16 to 15 point win against Duhallo in the Divisional College's senior football final. So that has Carberry through to the quarterfinals of the championship proper, and we're delighted to be joined by Rory Horan, who's flying the Kilmackabee flag with the Carberry footballers. How's the form now, Rory? Um, not too bad now, still still on a bit of a high to be honest with you. Um it was a, an unbelievable night now, to be honest. So yeah, still still kind of coming down and analysing it all and not really sure how it transpired that we ended up winning that game, but we we, we came out the right side of it. So all good. It's superb. Like I said, it's five wins in a row, and we'll get to that game quite soon. But like I mentioned there, like you're flying the Kilmackabee flag with with Carberry, so what appealed to you to get involved to put your lot in with the Carberry footballers to get involved with the, with the divisional football team? Um, I well, for me, no, it was a no-brainer to be honest. Um, I was involved last in two thousand nine when um we lost to the Bears in the county semi-final in Parker Ring. Awful night. We just never showed up, and the game was there for the take. I suppose so. I'm still thirteen years later. I'm still trying to get over that game. So when. Uh, when Tim rang me, it was it was just a no-brainer, really, to be honest. Um, I know the Cabri have kind of had a, a few years of, you know, maybe not performing or not winning matches. So, but for me, like it was it was an absolute no-brainer. Like um there, there's there's something different about this division, like um that you know, we 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 go out every week into the white heat of battle, like, but you know, when it comes to Carberry, you just park that and you know, we're all just one division striving to for, for, for the same goal, really. So it, it was a no-brainer for me, really. Simple decision. And there is a real fierce tradition in Carberry football. Like, go back over the years, some of the great players that have worn, worn that Carberry jersey. And now, like I mentioned, there was a couple of lean years. But now, at last, I'm going to borrow Tim Buckley's analogy. This train is moving. Like, there's five wins in a row here. Carberry are to the quarterfinals of, of the championship. But go back to the start of the season. Could you sense that there was something different about this year compared to the last couple of years when, when there were lean seasons and, and teams just weren't falling Carberry's way? Well, I suppose, like, I, I, I personally haven't been involved the, the last couple of years, um, so I can't really speak to, to, to that. But, like, this year... The moment I turned up, it was like everyone was just kind of buzzing. I turned up after the um, after the Emo Kelly game, I think. So they had one game played, um, but like we 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 went out to Balnacarig, and I don't know, there was just something different. Um, everyone was shaking hands, everyone was just having a bit of a joke, having a bit of a laugh. Um, so I, I think that's kind of been the the difference. And you know, when you look at last night's game as well, like. I suppose um, Duhallo had only played one game. We were after playing four before last night, and you could see when it came down to the stretch, like when, when, when you know it was the all in the melting pot, like that the camaraderie was there. That I don't know does any other division side have that kind of you know togetherness, and and it's just a, a great feeling, really, to be honest. Probably what helps that to get in this worry, the fact is that you're winning games together, but you five games in a row now, so lads are getting to know each other because. If you go back to the junior A football championship, usually feathers are knocking skills out of each other during, during championship games. And even let's say Quebec and Mary's in a huge quarterfinal this Sunday, but then you're like, huge, huge. Like, and then you're like, with Mary's fellas in with the Caribbean team when you're all wearing the same jersey and going for the same cause. So 
that that bond, like, I presume that bond is strengthening game by game, training session by training session. Yeah, and hundred percent. And you could see it there, like in the and it's something we talked about before the Duhallow game was just that, you know, in the UCC game maybe person A wasn't passing the person B just because they kind of didn't really know what their run was going to be or maybe they didn't trust them or whatever. And then kind of something just clicked there in the second half of the UCC game. And um, I think Tim said said it like this. There was just a moment there in the second half of the UCC game where it just felt like we're going to win this game. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't even know if we were winning at that stage. Um, but it just seemed to click. And then same thing yesterday, like it just kind of maybe 10, 15 minutes into the second half, it just kind of clicked and we were all just one and it, it just felt like we were going to win that game, that if there was going to be a winner in, in normal time, it was going to be us. Like So, um, yeah, like this, the, the togetherness, I, I, I can't really explain it, to be honest. Like, and I've only been involved, you know, here and there because I kind of tore my hamstring there a couple of, uh, in the Barry game. So, been a lot of rehab and stuff. But, you know, you talk about the togetherness, like it would have been very easy for Tim to just say, look, Rory, We'll 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 talk to you again. Uh, we'll see you next year. We'll see what's going on next year. But team's been texting me nonstop like the last couple of weeks, even though I was injured. Like, um, and you know, I was on the sideline doing the water for the UCC game and just feeling as much part of it as the lads who were talked out. Like, um, so that that all that all kind of feeds into it. Like, and then I was absolutely champing at the bit then yesterday to to tag off. Um, I hadn't told my father actually that I was going to tag off at all. Um, so. Uh, but yeah, it all, all worked out in the end. Anyway. Back to that bear game. So that was your first game with, with Carby this year. Yeah. You said you were off, I think, around, around 30 minutes in with that hamstring yeah. injury. And that sideline you then you missed the game against Avenue after that and against yeah. CCC. So what was that rehab like for you? And how, how eager were you to get back, I suppose, with Kilmack? Can you first off your club, but then to get involved with Carberry again? Yeah, um, it's been an awful few weeks, to be honest, because I actually came back um, against Balanascarty in the championship. And then I did it again after about 25 minutes. Um, and you just feel that you've kind of let everyone down, you know, um, that maybe I came back too soon, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's just been up in the gym every day, um, doing runs, doing physio, doing your stretches. Um, but there was always, it's a lot easier when there is a carrot at the end of the stick. And, um, you know, championship with Clemacaby was obviously, you know, number one priority, but I text Tim only yesterday afternoon about two o'clock um, saying, look, Tim, I trained this morning. Um, I'm feeling great. I'm ready to go. And he said, brilliant. Like, And again, like it could have been very easy to just be like, look, not today, Rory, whatever. Um, we'll send you over on the other side doing the water. But he didn't. And um, I got on. And it's just amazing to be part of it, really, to be honest. And yeah, it's been a it's been a tough couple of weeks. Like, But when when it was about three or four minutes to go yesterday and it was 15 points all, like there is just nowhere else in the world you'd prefer to be like. Nowhere else in the world. You come on inside that final quarter against Duhalo and, and the game was in the melting pot then. It was, it was point for point, like it was so tight and so tense. So what was the, how the instructions you were given coming on? <laughs> not, not much, just, just, just kind of bring it home or, you know, just there's 10 minutes to go, absolutely run your heart out and just, just, just try and make something happen, I suppose. Um, I think that in the first half, we kind of maybe played a bit towards Duhallow. We were kind of, you know, what will they do? And we kind of ad- adjusted our style to to try and match them, etc. And then in the second half, then we just kind of went in and did our own thing. So it was very much like, there's just so much trust there. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, t- t- there really wasn't a whole lot to be said, really. Um, Holly and Tim just said, go on and you're, you're going on and just that's it really to be honest like um but I, I i don't know how we how we won really to be honest with you it was um a bit bizarre but we got there in the end of the day we definitely take it but even down to those final few moments with the to james regan with the winning kick and so on like and you're up against a season team like to hello like county finalists county semi-finalists like they've been there doing that in terms of they've been the shining light of divisional teams over the last couple of years they've been the Divisional team getting to the latter end of the knockout stages in the in, in the football championship. So like Carby were up against a, a fairly decent team on Sunday night. So what do you think got you over the line in those final couple of minutes? Well, before before the final couple of minutes, I think the key was that you know they they go four point that first half really was the key. I think that we went in two points down at half time, having not played very well, and I don't know how we how the lads managed it. Um, we got the last point there before half time and. To go in 
to have played badly and go in two points down. Yes, there was a lot of shouting at halftime, but there was just a sense that we have so much more to, to go. Um, and, you know, they go four points up and then we bring it back to two. We couldn't get inside the two, but to, to finish the half, two points down was, was, was the key issue, really. And then I suppose it, it, it was absolutely mad. Like there was, there was, I'm sure from the sideline and, and, and watching it, it might have felt absolutely helter-skelter, but there was just a calmness on the pitch, you know, that you kind of look around to, to Brian and Cullum and, and um, you know, Sean and all them and those big players. And it was just complete calm, um, mm. even though it was like, you know, one of the biggest games that Cabri have played in a long, long time. Um, when you looked at the guy next to you and it's just complete calm, you know, it, it just fills you with a bit of, you know, confidence and, you know, maybe we might actually do this. Um, so I think that's what, that's what kind of got us over the line was just looking around and it was just complete calm and everyone was just like, you know, we, we can do this. We, we believe from the first minute, even though we weren't playing well, we just believed that, you know, this is there for the taking. And I was talking to the lads there before about um, 2009 when we lost to the Bears and we just didn't show up that day and that game was there for the taking. Um, so I think that, you know, we just channeled that and was just like, look, we're not going to be here again. Who knows when we're going to be here again? So um, we just, we just, you know, kicked on and, and, and thankfully kind of, got over the line in the end. But I honestly, like, we're going to watch the game later on. I I, I, I can't really explain how we, how we ended up getting over the line, but it was just phenomenal, really. And then when Donica had that kick there at the end, do you know, you give him that ball in that position 10 times more and he'd kick him 10 times. Um, But it was just that the pressure was there from us the whole game that, do you know, he felt the pressure, everyone felt the pressure because... We had just been exerting it all through the game. So um, I don't know. I can't really explain it, to be honest, but everyone was just calm and it, thankfully we, we got there in the end. And reward now is a, is a place in the quarterfinals of the County Premier Senior Football Championship. Um, we won't know who Carberry are playing until Sunday week when the final round of football games is played. But just for Carberry, to be back in that company in, in the last stage with, with, the, with the Nemos and the Bears and teams like this, you know, when you're given the given the tradition and history of football here in Carberry, like this is where, I know no team, like you, you can't guarantee success, but this is, it feels right for Carberry to be back in this company again after so long. It, it, it feels right, but like you can't expect it, like you said, like, um, and afterwards a lot of people were saying that there's a great tradition of football in, in Carberry and we're pro footballers, etc. But, you know, that comes for nothing unless you're, you're winning matches, like, um, and the last few years, yes, we've been a pro division, but, like this is like this is us proving it, I suppose. And um that's that's what it comes down to at the end of the day that we can talk all we want about how great Carberry is, etc. But you know, this is us showing people like how how good a division this is and how good the footballers are here. And um, you know, it's like you said, there's a massive, massive pride here. Um, and we're just absolutely buzzing to to kick on with the with the with the county, to be honest. It's been it's been a few years now since we've been there and um Everyone is just absolutely raring to go. We've we've all have big um, championship matches now this weekend, um, and like, look, we'll 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 regroup in a few weeks' time. But um, you know, we're we're definitely going to enjoy last night and and today, to be honest. And does it help having someone like Holly O'Sullivan involved this year? Like, obviously, Holly has his pedigree with Kirby going back to 2004 as, as captain back there, and he again he's been there, done that, and Tim Buckley's brought him into the management team this year. Um, as, as a coach, but having someone of Hardy's knowledge and, and his passion, because Hardy isn't afraid to say what he thinks either. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, when I was injured and the lads had meetups, etc., I was definitely going just to listen to Hardy, to be totally honest with you, just to see what he was. You know, he has the board with the magnets and stuff like that, and um, just to hear his take on the game and what how how he views football nowadays. Is, is phenomenal really like his insight into it and like you know he, he did play um like you said he's massive pedigree but he has been over the game for a few years so it's just unbelievable to to see his insight into it even though he's kind of not been involved in in a playing sense um and you know when he talks people listen um and you know the the stuff that he says all the time just makes sense and you know, he was saying things like, um, let's say in the UCC game, he was just like three tackles a man. 
in 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 a half and that's 45 tackles and when you actually kind of think about it he's 100% right but it's not something that you would have pieced together yourself so it's just kind of small nuggets like that like uh, that he brings and um you know it's 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 invaluable really to be honest and what kind of strikes me about this Caribbean team too is just as a lovely blend of youth and experience, you know, kind of the experienced heads there, and even some of the former Cork lads, the the Colum O'Driscolls, the Brian O'Driscolls, Kevin when he's back, or even Rory Dean back in this year, but then go down to the Paddy Younger, like, like Paddy O'Driscoll there, and the Sean Davies as well, you know, kind of the the next generation of, of footballers who take over the mantle at some stage and, and carry this. So it just seems to be a, a good blend in there at the moment, Rory. Yeah, and I think maybe you you said there, uh, um, like, what was the difference over the last few years? I think that may be something that clicked this year. Um, you know, like you said, I mean, the first uh, the first training I turned up to, Paddy was in the middle of his, or just finished his leaving cert or something, and I'm 34, like, so, um, you know, there's a bit of an age gap there. But, um, yeah, I, I think potentially that may be one of the big differences is just to, and then, you know, we're all just chatting, we're all just getting on, we're all having a laugh. Um, there is no kind of, age difference or anything like that when it comes down to it like and I think maybe that's something that maybe has has galvanized us a bit um but it looks like hopefully Carberry is in very good hands for the next decade or so tell me have you set up your own whatsapp group is that, is that Carberry J whatsapp group is it are, are the messages kind of zinging in at the moment the it's mainly only Brian Driscoll now that we in in the middle of a trying to organize things or, or Sean Ryan um but um yeah no we'll we'll have a We'll have I just think it's very important like that football is so serious um that sometimes it's okay to just you know have a bit of fun and um you know that, that coming down the stretch last night like you're you had the butterflies you were like you kind of sensed something amazing was going to happen um and we got over the line and I just think that you know I was telling Paddy like that you know things things like this don't happen all the time that like it was 13 years ago we were last in the semi-final um so, you know, it's not going to happen every year. So I think it's very, very important to, to enjoy it while, while it lasts. And, you know, look, we'll, we'll go back to the clubs now after today and it'll be all focus again. But I think this is, this is why you get involved. And, you know, when I was up in the gym and doing all the rehab and stuff, like it was hard going, but, you know, this just makes it all worth it. Like when, I, when, I, when, when Tim called me to, to warm up to go onto the pitch last night, I was just absolutely buzzing, could not wait to get on. Um, so look, we all make the sacrifices, and it's important, I think, to to enjoy it when the when 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 you get a win like that. That's a great point, Rory, about having fun. And Tim Buckley's mentioned that a couple of times, but even talking to Rory Dean and Colin O'Driscoll over the last couple of weeks, they both kind of said that as well. You know, football and hurling, even at club level, it's so serious now. There's so much on every game, but it's what you can't we can't lose lose sight of the fact that it's about having fun, having enjoyment, going out there, having fun on, on a football field. But you kind of feel the Caribbean team has got the balance right with that, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, there's a big old thing I know last night, but leading up to the game, it was like, you know, business. Um, so we got together a few times and, you know, like, I, I can't speak for what the other divisions are doing in the other colleges, etc. But um, definitely Tim and Holly and the rest of the selectors, they've definitely approached this. And in fairness to the Calgary board, they've, you know, they said that we wouldn't be left wanting. Um so we kind of got together, we, we, we had our chats, it was serious, um, you know, when the ball was thrown, it was down to brass tacks, but when it, you know, when the final whistle blows and you beat to Hello 16-15 in an absolute thriller of, of a football match, it's, it's okay to, to have a bit of fun and there was a big old sing-song now in, uh, in Black Rock last night. Share some secrets, so who's a good man for a sing-song in that caravan? <laughs> um... I, I can't be saying too much now, but Sean Ryan and Augie Scandal now would be, would be two men for the old... Uh, for the old sing song and um Tim no Tim wrote a poem so maybe next time you have him on um when we make the final you can get him to, to, to recite that poem. You might get Sean Rogan on the podcast soon so take it <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah but before I let you go so I have to ask too just turning to come back to me for a second like I said earlier huge weekend of Caribbean Junior A football quarterfinal massive yeah coming massive. up this weekend like it's kind of first off just to get your thoughts on, on the group stages first time that Caribbean brought in group stages in the, the Junior A football each, each club had three games top two from the four groups to the quarterfinals what do you make of it? Brilliant 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 absolutely brilliant decision um we were uh, getting the bus there yesterday from Blackrock into Parky Ring and everyone was just saying like yes 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 everyone agreed with it. I think it was absolutely brilliant um 
I think it all look, you know, there was some toing and froing with Barry Rowe, etc. Um, but I think for the most part, it was it was brilliant. Um, you know, everyone's guaranteed three games. Like it, it, it just worked out very, very well. Um, I suppose look, there is some things still to be sorted out. I think maybe the league could start a little bit later. Like we're not playing championship in April like we used to. Um, so I'm not really sure if you know what uh, if there's much use in having league games in February. Um, and then you know going around the country then trying to find friendlies in in June. But um, for the most part, it's 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 been brilliant. Now you know I can't speak for the dual clubs. Um, look, I'm in a privileged position, I suppose, where we just focus on the football. And it's a little bit easier. I think for the dual clubs, maybe it's a little bit harder that the the hoardings afterwards. Um, but again, look, I can't really speak to that, but. Group stages are absolutely brilliant. Um, and look, it's thrown up some absolute belters this weekend. Um, I think, you know, Bell, James's, ourselves, Mary's, you know, there's going to be three, four very good teams that are going to be out this weekend um, come come kind of Sunday evening. But um, we'll see how it goes. But absolute massive, massive fan of the of the group stages. I think it's brilliant. How do you assess Quebecabee's form so far? I know you've been out with Damien Gore and a couple of other in, injured fellas. You know, you haven't had your full complement of, of players to, to pick from it. But I still think he put up 3 11 against Kanakinti the last day without the likes of Gore and so on. But heading into this game against Mary's on Sunday, what do Quebecabee need to do to, to get through to the semi final? Besides, obviously, winning the game. <laughs> perform. We just need to perform. Um, I think that, look, you know, Mary's are a very, very good side. Jeez, there's some amazing players. Um, Look, we'll be confident, um, but we just have to perform. Uh, I think that if we're being totally honest with ourselves, I'm not sure if we've... Uh, when you look 1-15, to 15, we're, a, we're a good team in, in individual terms, uh, but I just think that we need to string a team performance together. And if I'm totally honest, I'm not sure that we've even done that since maybe we won the West Cork a couple of years ago. So um, there's a big performance coming, so hopefully it'll be, um, it'll be Sunday evening. Oh, fantastic, Rory. You've been so kind of your time. Best of luck in the weeks ahead with Kilmacky and McCarberry. Thanks a million, Karen. Thanks a million, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Kinsale's John Murphy has made quite the impression on the golf world since turning professional after starring at the Walker Cup for Great Britain and Ireland back in May. 2021 his most famous day came when securing a top 10 finish and a bulky check at the alfred dunhill links championship but he's also showed consistency on the challenge tour with a number of top three finishes dylan you've spoken to him for this week's podcast and i'll come to you in a moment but kieran from your own perspective the john murphy story is one you've loved covering to date isn't it 100 percent. it's a it's a story of a of a West Cork man who started off in Kinsale, Kinsale Golf, and he's he went to, to college in America, learned his trade over there in terms of golf and so on, and now he's on the, the Challenge Tour, and he's had some huge highlights along the way, but he's one of these great West Cork sports stories where you just know that the best is yet to come. Um, he's only, what is he, 23, 24, Dylan? He's still such a such a young guy, and he's playing such good good golf this year, and there's, there's even a chance, because this is his first year on the Challenge Tour proper, there's even a chance he could even win his European Tour card for next year this year, and that'd be incredible to put him up in that company, so um, he's always a great guy to chat then, he's a friend of the podcast at this stage, we've had him on a couple of times, and he's always he's always great to chat then, that's why it was, it was good over, Dylan had a chance to catch up with him and see where he's at right now, and for the first time, we've had someone on the podcast coming all the way from Sweden. Yeah, all the way from Sweden. He uh, was fresh off the golf course when I spoke to him. He'd just done 18 holes in preparation for this weekend's indoor golf challenge, I think it's called, in Helsingborg. And like we said, it's been his first full year as a professional golfer. He turned pro midway through last year. But he has gone from strength to strength since then. I guess this year, having spoken to John, has been a bit of a year of highs and lows. Um, Just getting used to the experience of the tour. Those highs coming in his debut for the PGA Tour and he played in his first Irish Open but they probably brought the lows as well those tournaments because he didn't make the cut neither and he was disappointed with his performance so we spoke a little bit about that experience and how that has um, perhaps helped him or will help him going forward Um, he's in 26th position at the moment on the Challenge Tour ranking so the top 20 uh, get through to their European Tour next year and he is very young he's 24 so if he was to, to make it through 
it would be incredible. Like most people don't make it through that young, at least, um, unless you're a real talent. So it would be a real mark of his ability on the course if he did. Uh, he's very level-headed. He spoke a lot about how he's been focusing on everything but the rankings, on just making sure he performs well on the golf course and ignoring the rankings, basically. Um, so yeah, he was in good form and we spoke yesterday ahead of this weekend's tournament. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. So we're delighted to be joined now on the podcast by Kinsale golfer John Murphy. John, it's been just under a year since you last joined us on the podcast and when you last spoke to us, you were about to take some well-deserved time off. It's kind of the opposite now, I'd imagine. Where are you speaking to us from? Yeah, uh, I'm out in Sweden at the moment, so um, kind of just getting into the the height of the season, I guess. Uh, you know, it's been a it's been a busy summer, but um, I yeah, I think I have about eight tournaments left to go this year. So uh, in Sweden this week, Belgium next week, and then I think I have one week off before the the final push. Um, so yeah, it's going to be busy the rest of the year, but uh, really looking forward to it. Yeah, like you're saying, it's uh, been a busy year so far, and uh, I guess the whole year has been busy with uh, players. A Pebble Beach and the Byron Nelson, the Irish Open, and um, a huge amount of tournaments. And so I maybe just wanted to start how you found the year in general. Like I know last year you said you were speaking or you were t- treating your time on the Challenge Tour kind of as if you were an apprentice. Is Has your attitude changed this time around? Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose this is my first full year to last trying to playing off limited starts I uh, didn't have full playing privilege on privileges on the, the challenge tour so this year I do so I'm kind of I suppose I have a bit more freedom in terms of I can pick and choose my schedule and um, decide when I want to take weeks off when I don't want to take weeks off so uh, yeah but I mean at the same time it's it's my first full year that so I'm learning a lot about you know myself and my my energy preservation and how I can mentally prepare myself for um, these stretches of golf coming up because you know I'm this is my sixth tournament in a row here. It's the sixth week in a row where I'm on the road, you know, new new house every week, new Airbnb, um, new hotel, whatever. So uh, certainly there's some adjustment uh, with regards to that. And yeah, just getting used to, to life on the road and learning about, you know, kind of when to tone it back a bit, when to, you know, um, work that little bit harder. So uh, yeah, certainly just loads of learnings this year, loads to take from it. And um, yeah, just with regards to, I suppose, the competitive side of it, you know, I I'm certainly more comfortable this year. I think you know, last year I was I was playing really well, but uh, I think I'm I'm a lot more comfortable in in these positions now than than I would have been last year because last year it was all a bit a bit new to me. So um, yeah, still just trying to trying to learn as much as I can every day out here, and yeah, just try to keep getting better. And did you have any kind of specific aims at the start of the year? Like, did you want to uh, reach a certain? I know rankings are kind of important, let's say, but did you want to reach a certain? rank or did you want to uh, do two top tens like you've had or was there anything in particular you were aiming for yeah you know I, I think that's one element of professional golf that I have um, I've tried really hard to focus on and not focusing on really if that makes sense so because you know once you turn professional or sorry once you're an amateur you know you can play these tournaments you can win amateur tournaments you can be defined by winning this event winning this event but once you <laughs> once you turn professional as as kind of sad as it sounds you're kind of defined by your ranking by your position by where you're standing by you know uh well, yeah where you are in the ranking so um that's one element that I think I've done a really good job of just kind of straying away from just not not focusing on that and just uh as cliche as it sounds just trying to get better every day you know I spent a lot of the year there where things weren't quite going my way I wasn't play- I, I mean I know I was playing well but I just I wasn't having the results I would like to have and I was struggling a bit and I was you know I was well down the rankings and um that was certainly, you know, given it's my first year out here, it's hard to not think about it. But I think I did a really good job of just uh, staying focused on myself, not caring about how anybody else was doing on the rankings and just making sure that I was doing everything I could to put myself in the best positions. And I think I did a pretty good job of that. And then, you know, thankfully, a couple of good weeks came around and managed to to leap a long way up those rankings, which, um, yeah, has helped a lot for the rest of the year, has given me a lot of confidence going forward. And, yeah, I mean, we still have a lot of golf to play. So hopefully, uh, yeah, ho- hopefully plenty more good to come. Is that something you have to work at, like on and or off the course, trying to not focus on how other people are doing? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You know, even just checking, like, just small stuff like checking the rankings, and you know, it's it's so easy to to get consumed in the thought of right. If this guy plays well, he jumps me in the rankings, and if 
if I don't play well, I find or I fall behind this guy in the rankings. So um, very easy to kind of overcloud your your mind and your thoughts with that, and to distract yourself from the task you have at hand. And um, yeah, I mean, I think my team and I have a very good understanding of the task that we do have at hand and what we have to do to put ourselves in the in the best position to um, finish as high up on the rankings as possible. And yeah, I think. <laughs> I think not focusing on the rankings certainly gives me the best opportunity to do that and to perform well on a daily basis. And that's that's kind of what I'm trying to focus on. I've done a lot of work on that this year um, with my team about just staying present and making sure that I'm that I'm doing all I can to improve myself. And yeah, it's, uh, as I said, it's a learning curve. There's plenty I probably can still improve on, but um, yeah, fairly happy with how I dealt with the, the year so far, given the fact that it wasn't going as I would have hoped and it would have been easy for all of us to kind of hit the panic button and be like, all right, we need to do this. We need to change this. But uh, no, just trusted what I was doing, trusted the the advice I was being given around me and um yeah, feel feel good about my game now. And you know, I'm in a good I'm in a good place. I've um been making yeah, I suppose made the last number of cuts in a row and been playing well. And um yeah, as I said, hopefully I can continue to do that. Yeah, you have been playing very well recently with um, some great finishes like the two top threes in a row. Must have been very exciting for you. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, you know, it's always nice to to be in contention in tournaments because, I mean, nobody wants to be making the cut and finishing 40th in events. You know, once you're once you're in contention in tournaments, it's, uh, I suppose you get a different kind of buzz off it. You get a different kind of, um, a different feeling waking up in the morning. You know, I love that. I love waking up in the morning and, and being instantly nervous and being, you know, that means that, that you're, that you're in a good position, that you're doing something well if you're, if you're getting to experience those nerves and you're getting to, uh, suppose have the opportunity to to be able to deal with those nerves and um yeah I, I really enjoyed that you know I I suppose I, I did I translated that pretty well from amateur golf in the sense that I for me there's there's really good types of nerves and being in contention tournaments uh, certainly kind of gets that going for me it's um I suppose it's why I why I love golf why I love practicing is to put myself in those positions and then once I'm in those positions I just try and enjoy it as much as I can but uh didn't didn't quite capitalize and pick up a win but um, I was happy with how I dealt with the situations you know both times I think I was third going into the last round and uh, held my ground pretty well which you know it, it's it's in professional golf sometimes you have to accept the fact that winning is not okay and, and finishing high up on leaderboards is is uh, you know there's plenty of positives to be taken from that so I kind of tried to try to take the positives from those third place finishes instead of, instead of the negatives Yeah there's definitely definitely positives especially considering I guess the couple of weeks beforehand or months maybe before and hadn't gone exactly to plan. You mentioned there um, yeah. dealing with nerves and um, kind of sticking with what you were doing. Was that something that you had to really focus on not changing too much? Yeah, yeah, 100%, especially because, you know, I, I, I know very well that there's kind of a lot of voices, or, you know, thankfully I've, uh, I, I've a lot of great support from from back home, from, you know, people who are interested in golf around Ireland um, you know I've been supported very well thankfully over the last year and you know I know that there's a lot of opinions floating about and there's a lot of people probably um, with other ideas to 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 my my inner team as to what I should be doing um, but yeah as you know as I said just I, I think that my team and I did a very good idea of just trusting ourselves and uh, knowing that what we were doing was was, was going to be good enough in the long run um, and yeah I, I think yeah, to be honest, I was just very happy with how I dealt with all the situations. There was a lot of disappointment in there. You know, I played my first Irish Open, obviously didn't go according to plan, played my PGA Tour debut and didn't go according to plan. You know, there was a lot of a lot of times where there might have been need to reassess and to kind of um, switch up what we were doing. But um, yeah, no, certainly I think I, I did a good job of just keeping keeping focus and uh, kept working on the things that I knew would, would I suppose um help things to come to fruition for me and you know as I said with those two third place finishes they did I, I did see a lot of good golf in there I took a lot of mental positives from all of that and um yeah absolutely looking forward to, to continuing to try and work on those things that I know will make me better how, how much does um momentum play a part in golf in this situation so you've you kind of shot up the rankings recently and speak about wanting to make that a kind of regular occurrence appearing on the European tour um does the last few weeks give you confidence going into the kind of final stretch? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I I know that I'm good enough to compete out here. I know that my good is good enough to compete out here. And uh, I mean, yeah, I suppose it's just a matter of trying to put myself in the in the position to compete as much as possible. But um, you know, I've had some really good phone calls with my 
with my mental coach and with my coach and with my manager about how, you know, whatever happens, happens. And, you know, I'm fully prepared for the fact that it could, the next few weeks could go great. The next few weeks could, could go, you know, average. The next few weeks could not, could not go great. Um, I'm fully prepared for any outcome that, that arises because of it. But uh, certainly I feel like if I can keep doing what I'm doing, then, and just keep putting myself in good positions then you know i'm i'm not far off where i uh where i want to be come the end of the year so um yeah just looking forward to seeing how the next few weeks pan out and maybe just aside from the um the challenge tour stuff you also played in the jp mcmanus pro am this year uh, which is a, a great event how did you find that whole experience yeah, that was that was pretty unique all right just given the fact that you know a lot of the events i played this year were very high intensity um you know, obviously a lot of pressure, a lot of emphasis on score, how you're scoring. But I think that was an event, the, the JP Manis, where that was kind of pushed to the side just because it was such a such an amazing event. You know, everybody that was playing in it was just there for as much as they wanted to to play well. Um, you know, it was a very enjoyable event. The dinners were were very enjoyable every evening, getting to meet, you know, some people that I, I never even dreamed of meeting. Um, it was certainly uh, unique just to, to be able to have that social side of the event which we don't do a whole lot as golfers, to be honest. And yeah, just getting to compete in front of those crowds and um, just enjoy that experience on one of the one of the best courses in the world was certainly an experience that I'm very grateful I got. You know, I, I realize how lucky I am to have had that opportunity to to play the, the J.P. Manus Invitational. And um, yeah, to, just an incredible place full of incredible people. And yeah, wish I could do it all again. Yeah, if, if it, that was every week, it might be a little bit uh, less stressful, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose, yeah, but it, it was on a Monday, Tuesday. So then I think I flew on the Wednesday to play a tournament. Um, I flew out to Paris to play a tournament. So uh, I'm not sure how, how good it was in terms of my uh, my energy preservation for that tournament. But um, certainly, uh, yeah, an experience that I, I'll never forget. Probably the best two days I've ever had um, on a golf course. So as I said, I'd love to do that every week. Thanks very much for joining us on the, the podcast, John. Best of luck for this weekend. You have a couple of training days before you tee off yeah yeah played 18 today and then i'll probably take it easy tomorrow just do some practice on the range and get some numbers dialed in and uh get ready to go thursday morning well best of luck thank you so much for joining us no bother thank you very much for having me thanks for listening to the star sport podcast number one for sport in west cork Okay, Kieran. before we wrap up this week's podcast, we're going to preview this week's Southern Star Sports section. Before we do, just briefly to mention that there is a special supplement in this week's Southern Star as well. It's our careers and courses supplement. So if you're a student, if you're thinking about returning to college, if you're looking to start an apprenticeship, or if you've got children going back to school this September. This has loads of great tips. It has tips on how to get a job, how to write a CV, which courses you should be applying for based on your interests. So yeah, if you're interested in going back to college or if you're in college and you're looking to make the most out of your time there, our careers and courses and back to school supplement is free inside this week's Southern Star. Well, Kieran, that's my hard sell done. Now it's time for your hard sell on the sports section. It's a hard sell in one way, Jack, but it's an easy sell in another way once you hear what's coming up in, in Thursday Southern Star Sport. So even though it was very light on GA action last weekend, this Thursday Southern Star Sport is packed to the rafters as usual. We're going to go big on the Calgary footballers' um, superb win against Tuhelo. So there's the first four pages of the paper are on that, including Holly O'Sullivan's inside track column. Just for a bit of context, Holly is the coach with the Calgary senior football team this year. He was brought on board by Tim Buckley. So Holly's given us his thoughts on this Calgary team. So that's well worth checking out. Huge weekend coming up in the county hurling championships. And we've previews of Barry Rowe's massive derby against Kilbritton in the Premier Junior Hurling Championship. Matthew Hurley spoke to the Barry Rowe camp and Matthew was also talking to Newcestle manager Chad Wilson ahead of their game against Klein. We also have previews previews of the other West Cork teams in County Hurling Championship action. Massive weekend too in the Carberry Junior A footballers. The four quarterfinals are coming up between Sunday and Tuesday. So we've the big preview we have is of Kilmackaby against St. Mary's and Matthew Hurley has been hard at work here and he's spoken to both camps ahead of this game. While we also rank the top eight teams left in the Carberry Junior A Hurling Championship. I didn't do the rankings here. You can blame Tim, um, Tom Lyons, whoever doesn't agree with them. So you can let us know what you think of one to eight. Personally, I would have had a different rankings, but they're always subjective. So check them out in Thursday's Southern Star. 
keeping with the GA team and the Michael Collins team, did Michael Collins ever play for Clannock Kilty? Um, Tom Lyon set himself that challenge to find out if he did or he didn't. And this is a very interesting piece in Torres' Southern Star, and it's well worth checking out. Tom has been digging through the archives of the Skibbereen Eagle back in the early um the early part of the last century just to discover if if Michael Collins could or did line out for, for Clan and it's very interesting findings. So check that what out. What a great idea for a piece. I cannot wait to read that one. I seen you promoting that one earlier. I'm like, if I wasn't working for the Southern Star, that's exactly the type of article that I'd be buying to paper to read. So kudos to Tom. I look forward to reading it. And it's a really good piece too. And Tom is very good at those, those archive pieces. He loves he loves digging through the old newspapers and so on. And it's just a really good piece. So that's well, well worth checking out. We also have a big read with Fintan McCarthy. Obviously, we had Fintan on last week's Star Sport podcast. Spoke really, really well. So for those who, who missed the podcast, we've a, a big write-off in this Thursday Southern Star. And it's a really good read for Fintan talks about pushing new boundaries with Paul O'Donovan in that all-conquering lightweight double. Sticking with our elite sports people, caught up with Phil Healy earlier today um, for a chat about her European Championships. Um, she was part of the Irish 4 by 400 meter women's relay team that got to the European final. So Phil speaks about how that salvaged her championships because in her own words, her 400 meter individual performance was shocking. She said it was the worst performance in years and she's at a loss to explain why. So that's well worth checking out in this week's Southern Star. And she also gives her thoughts on Irish athletics and funding. It's kind of quite topical now. Um, Cahal Dinehy, top class journalist we've had in the podcast before, has been really pushing this over the last couple of days in terms of the funding that Irish athletes get, and especially their coaches. So many of them are volunteers and they don't get a penny um, in terms of expenses. They have to dip into their own pockets to fund their coaching and training of Irish athletes who are meddling at these at these um, big, big, um, big events. So that's well worth checking out. And also the last word column this week, I've written about Nicola Tuttle. And I just think this is a great story. It's a great comeback. In early March, Nicola Tuttle suffered um, uh, fractured, a fractured and dislocated um, right elbow when she was in action at the European Throwing Cup in Portugal. Nicola, just for a bit of context, she's a, an 18-year-old teenager from Kilbritton who competes in the Women's Hammer. When she was just 16, two years ago, she was Irish Senior Women's Hammer Champion. So she's a young West Cork athlete with huge potential. And that injury she suffered was potentially really, really, really serious, especially for a for a, um, an athlete who, who takes part in the hammer throw when it's all about extending the arm and the elbow and winding up and power. Um, and she was, it was a bit scary at the time, to be quite honest, the news she was getting. But she battled back and she fought back and she actually got selected to represent Ireland at the World Under-20 Athletics Championships in Cali, Colombia, the start of August. And not only did she go there, she set a new PB in the semi-final. So it's just an incredible comeback. And I talked to Nicola about it and it's really worth checking out because we're going to hear a lot about Nicola Tuttle in the years to come. She's really, really talented. But this was just a fascinating insight into her temperament, her mindset, her determination, her competitiveness. Even though others were saying, you're not going to get to the world in the 20s. Look what happened to she never gave up hope and she got there and she performed so, so well. So there are some of the highlights that are in this week's Southern Star. And actually the last piece I'm going to plug is an interview that Matthew Hurley has done with Laura McCarthy-Steele. She's a young skibbereen rower. She's from Moscarbury, but she competed at the World Under-19 Rowing Championships a couple of weeks back in an Irish women's quad that finished ninth. But she talks about being part of skibbereen rowing club, how it's the place to be how she has the likes of Emily Hegarty, Lydia Heafy, Eva Casey's role models to look up to. And it's a really, really good piece. So as you can see, it's an absolutely packed Southern Star Sports section again. Yeah, brilliant stuff, Kieran. And as always, if you can't make it to a shop for any reason, but still want to dive in, you can subscribe online. Just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can read the Southern Star on your computer, tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week. Before we wrap, I just want to reiterate the message that I shared at the top of the show, and that is that the Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with Access Credit Union and the Donal O'Driscoll Student Bursary. The Donal O'Driscoll Student Bursary has been established to honor the career and achievements of Access Credit Union's late CEO, Donal O'Driscoll. Throughout his long term as CEO, 
Donald championed the credit union's ethos of supporting and empowering members, particularly in the sphere of education. In recognition of this, the Donald O'Driscoll Bursary will provide financial support to one individual embarking on third level education or commencing an apprenticeship in 2022. The recipient of the bursary will be awarded €5,000 to help with costs. To apply for the bursary, visit www.accesscu.ie forward slash bursary. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport podcast and thanks as well to our producer, Dylan Mangan. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán Tomlach.